Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan, I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 98 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcasts we begin the doom of the Norse gods. We are at Ragnarok. But first, I want to give a very big welcome to any new and any returning listeners. If you're a new listener, why don't you listen to this episode? And if you enjoy it, go right back to the beginning and see what we've been building up to over the last two years. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. Please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. If you're not on social media, follow me uh, or email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com but Instagram is generally the best place to get in touch if you have any thoughts, suggestions or even if you just want to say hello and finally if you could please do support the Patreon on patreon.com forward slash fireside bo- uh, forward slash fireside podcast where you can join our ever growing list of very kind and generous benefactors I want to give a very huge welcome to our two new patrons for this week which is Kathleen Brosnan and Emma Grossmith, they join Shane Connolly, Alex Hanley, Stephen Reno and Anne-Louise Rich as our six new patrons from this last month, which is incredible. It has been the biggest month of new subscriptions, which is fantastic in the incredibly competitive world of, of Patreon and in these very, very impecunious, very difficult times. You know, the the Patreon is there as an egalitarian model of soundness. It is not going to stop my output of the podcast each and every week. But it is immensely appreciated, especially at this these times. And as I, I have been saying, I have not, as of yet, touched any of the Patreon uh, f- money, uh, earnings. I was trying to find a better way of saying money, but ended up just still saying money. But that has been, Patreon has been the kitty, it has been the piggy bank building over the last year to launch Fireside as a as the next stage of what the podcast can become, which I've been talking to the patrons about. It's been very exciting, drip feeding and announcing it, and a formal announcement to all of you listeners will be very soon. But the Patreon is is going to furthering and evolving what this podcast is and can be and I'm very excited for it, and I'll be able to let you all in very soon. But if you want to know sooner, you can head over to the Patreon account and subscribe to that. But that is entirely up to you. I am coming to you live from my mobile studio. I will be here for the next at least four or five weeks. Ireland is still in 
full lockdown, so I haven't been able to go back into the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network. But to be honest, it I am actually quite happy. I've been listening extra attentively to the last episode just to try and hear the difference. And I actually am very happy with the quality. I invested in good in good gear to record from home, so I am very happy with that. The only thing I always have to contend with is people maybe walking by the window or hedge trimming our cars. As I spoke about my hermit neighbor who uh, has a car so old, he just has to run it once a day. So I just have to contend with every so often. For about five to ten minutes without him going anywhere. And you're just there screaming, go drive somewhere for the love of Christ. But I digress. Today's story, if you can believe it, we are at Ragnarok. We are at the doom of the gods. It wasn't initially my intention to do Ragnarok. I didn't really know how much of the Norse stuff I would go into because it was really just to deep dip the toe in as a treat for myself more so and then to contextualise the Viking and Norse invasions of Ireland. However, we did the beginning and we did Thor in the Land of Giants to tie in with Fiona Cool and the Old Man's House. And for the 100th episode, which is only two episodes away, I wanted to get back to what this podcast is and what this podcast does best, which is Irish mythology. We're going to dive right back into Irish mythology because there's still so much we haven't tapped. And the more this podcast goes on, the more confident I feel in my knowledge and my understanding and my writing and adapting of these pod- of these myths and legends. So I do want to keep going through them. And, and I think this podcast is getting better all the time and it's growing more and more thanks to your very kind support and listenership and so please do keep listening and please do keep telling your friends if you is because these last couple of months particularly fireside has been growing and growing which is really really exciting to see because you don't want to reach this stage and then just suddenly see it drop off so i know i have to keep my end up with that as well and i promise you i will always work to make this podcast better and better as well so with that in mind, I decided I would do the Doom of the Gods of Ragnarok before we got to the 100th episode, which I was able to split into two parts. There's so many puzzle pieces to be put in place for Ragnarok, but I felt that I could boil it down to these two episodes here. And we'll talk a bit more afterwards, but we'll start off with this. This is The Death of Balder on Fireside. Ragnarok, the death of Balder. Odin was the all-father of the gods. He was married to the goddess Frigg, mother of all gods. Their eldest child was Thor, mighty, famous, honorable, and loyal. Yet Thor was not the favorite of his parents. Parents, of course, should not have favourites, but even the gods share some traits of humanity. Odin and Frigg's favourite son was Balder. In fact, Balder was the favourite of all the gods. For Balder was like the sun. He brightened any room he entered. Your day could have been full of stormy clouds, and a word from Balder would clear them away. Balder 
was the warmth of the fireside on a cold winter's night. Balder was a top lad. But Balder was also haunted. The Shining God woke up every night from the sweaty grips of nightmares. Balder was terrorized by dreams of fire and ice, of blood and steel, of friend and foe, of death. His death. Balder told his beloved wife Nana of his dreams. Nana then went to Balder's mother Frigg and told her of her favorite son's woes. The very idea of someone wanting to do harm to Balder was laughable. Nevertheless, as any mother would, Frigg set about securing the utmost safety of her child. The mother of the gods went to every one of the Aesir of Asgard, to all the gods, and made each one of them swear never to harm Balder. Then she visited all the nine realms. She went to the giants, the elves, the dwarves and trolls, even Loki's children. Jormungundr, the world serpent, the wolf Fenrir, and the goddess of death, Hell, all felt for the plight of Frigg, all felt compassion for a mother protecting her son. But Frigg did not stop there. She commanded steel and stone not to cut Balder, fire not to burn him, water not to drown him, food not to choke him, even disease swore not to infect the Shining God. Once the Mother Goddess finally rested, so did her son. Baldur's nightmares ceased, and a massive celebration was held in his honour. At the festivities, a game was played. Now that Baldur was invincible, all the gods would try to kill him. Rocks were dropped on his head, knives stabbed through his heart, and venomous snakes gnawed at his arms. But nothing could harm Balder. Thor struck his brother with lightning and swung his hammer Mjolnir right into his face, and Balder just kept on laughing. Frigg did not join in this game. Actually, she felt the others were undermining her valiant efforts to protect her son by mocking death. An old woman approached the mother of the gods. You must be so proud of your son. I am, said Frigg. But even though I know he is invulnerable, I still cannot watch the others attempt to harm him. So it's true then, began the old crone. Balder is invincible. Oh yes, there is no creature living or object inanimate that can do harm to my son. You must have worked so hard. Surely there was one corner of the nine realms you could not reach. Frigg paused. I can tell you the only thing in the nine realms I did not command to not harm my son was a tiny blossoming mistletoe plant. That's how thorough I was. The old woman attempted to stifle a laugh. She made her excuses and left the mother of the gods. Moments later, the old woman dropped her disguise and revealed herself as Loki. The trickster god had found his loophole. 
this merriment would soon be dealt with. Loki scoured the Nine Realms until he eventually found the tiny blossoming mistletoe Frigg had spoken of. He tied the mistletoe to a stick and made a makeshift arrow. Loki then raced back to Asgard before the game was over. Like all the others, Loki had sworn not to harm Balder, and anyway, he never liked to do his own dirty work. He was better than that. Loki needed a patsy, and he found it in Odin and Frigg's third son. Hod was blind, and so he couldn't join in the game of trying to kill Balder. But the god didn't mind. He enjoyed the sound of laughter, and that his brother was happy. Don't you want to join in? came a voice like a devil on your shoulder. Loki? Is that you? Yes. I just hate watching you be left out. I have an arrow here you can fire right at Baldur's heart. Oh, that's all right, thanks, said Hod. I'm enjoying just listening. Nonsense, said Loki. Listening's no comparison to taking part. The trickster then took the blind god's hands and made him hold the bow and arrow. Loki then guided Hod's hands. You just pull back like this. I'll aim and release. There was a sound of released string, of a whisper through the air. And then all laughter died. What happened? said Hod. Why is nobody laughing? Balder, are you all right? Hod could not see, but the mistletoe arrow had pierced Balder in his heart. The shining god stumbled and fell down, dead. The next sound that broke the devastated silence was the wail of Balder's mother, Frigg. All that he had dreamed had come true. She had failed him. No one blamed Hod for the crime. They knew there was treachery behind this. Treachery meant Loki. When Baldur's wife Nana heard of her husband's death, the heart exploded in her chest. The gods were immortal. They didn't die. But that day, there were two deaths in Asgard. A funeral was held for Nana and Balder. A great longboat was sent out to sea, and with Mjolnir, Thor brought down a bolt of lightning setting the ship on fire. Thor sent his beloved brother to the afterlife. Afterlife. When the funeral was over, Frigg said to the gods, My son's body is gone, but his soul is in the underworld in Niflheim. Balder is with Loki's daughter, Hel. Who will go to the underworld and rescue my son? There was a silence before another of Odin and Frigg's sons, Hemrod, stepped forward. Mother, I will go. Gods did not visit the underworld because there was no guarantee of return. Hel was the bastard daughter of Loki and the giant's anger 
when the giantess gave birth to Hel and her monstrous serpent and wolf brothers, Odin read the runes which told him all three would bring about the end of the world. So Jormungandr lay at the centre of the earth. Fenrir was bound beneath Asgard, and Hel was sent to Niflheim to preside over the underworld. Hemrod rode Slepnir, Odin's eight-legged horse, over Bifrost, across the world tree Yggdrasil, and arrived at Hel's Hall. The goddess of death was waiting. Are you Hel, Loki's daughter? Are you Hemrod, Odin's son? I am. I have come on behalf of the mother and father of the gods to retrieve my brother Balder. Surprisingly, Hel welcomed Hemrod and told him where to find Balder. The god found both Nana and Balder at a banquet table. The once shining god was drained of all light and life. Balder, said Hemrod, mother has sent me to rescue you. Balder attempted to smile. I would love to, brother, but only Hel can release me. Hemrod went to Loki's daughter. What will it take for you to release Balder? Hel thought about this. If you can get every creature living to weep for Balder, if he truly is as beloved as you say, then I will release him. Hemrod rode Slepnir as hard as the horse's eight legs could gallop, which was a lot. Odin and Frigg were overjoyed by the conditions of their son's release. Messengers were sent to every branch and twig and leaf of Yggdrasil. All wept for Balder. It was only as one messenger was returning to Asgard that he happened to pass a strange-looking cave. Inside sat an ancient giantess, who was not weeping, but grinning. Why do you not weep for Balder? said the messenger. Why should I? said the giantess. I did not know this god, and one less Asgardian is something to smile about, if you ask me. Because that one giantess would not weep, the deal was incomplete, and Balder was trapped in the underworld forever. The giantess was, of course, Loki in disguise. The ultimate posse, the ultimate manhunt, or rather god hunt, was rounded up to hunt down Loki. This was it. No more chances. No more forgiveness. No more redemption. Loki would pay for his crimes. The trickster god hid by a waterfall in a hut with four doors for constant vigilance and easy escape. To bide his time, Loki sewed a great loose-knit cloth. The gods soon tracked him down, and Loki turned himself into a salmon and dived into the waterfall. When the gods arrived, Thor saw the quilt Loki had been knitting. Throwing it into the waterfall, Thor reeled it in with Loki trapped inside. And this was the first fishing net. Loki's punishment fit his long list of monstrous crimes. The trickster god had two legitimate children by his wife, Sigyn. 
his son Vali was turned into a wolf, and Loki was forced to watch as the wolf Vali gored his son Nari. Nari's intestines were then used as a rope to bind Loki to a rock. Finally, a great serpent was fused to a stalactite coming from the cave's roof. The snake opened its mouth and endlessly began dripping poison on Loki's forehead. Odin said, Loki, you are my blood brother. I gave you far more chances than I should have, or that you deserved. I valued your brain, and you were more useful as an ally than as an enemy. Perhaps I saw too much of myself in you, and I have paid for my vanity. But no one will ever pity you again, and here you will rot for the remainder of all days. But the All-Father was wrong. Someone did still pity Loki, his wife, Sigyn. Despite his villainy and his adultery, Sigyn held a bowl over Loki's head which caught the poison dripping from above. But every time the bowl would fill, Sigyn would have to empty it, which meant a few drops would fall on Loki's forehead. The rupturous agony and cries of the trickster god is what we know as earthquakes. And so it still is. So Loki remains, beneath the earth, wrapped in the entrails of his own son, eternally paying for his crimes. And so he will stay, until the end of days, the end game, Ragnarok, which is just about to happen. Or maybe it already has happened. Or maybe it's still a nightmare vision. To be continued. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Porig, and we host the Behavioural Vaccine Podcast. We're behavioural scientists who met through improv comedy. And so each week, we bring the two things together to explore how behavioural science can be applied, but in a fun way. There's a little bit of research. There's a good bit of messing. And there's loads of practical tips on everything from how to save money to how to maintain your friendships. Think about this like a behavioural vaccine to get you through winter 2020. Go on, sure, give us a listen. That is the first part of Ragnarok and the death of Balder on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, this, it's Balder's death that they say is what will bring about Ragnarok uh, indirectly. Because 
This is so significant because there are so many great stories in Norse mythology and they always either have Loki as the friend or foe, but like a Scooby-Doo cartoon or just any real cartoon, in the next episode everything's back to normal, like a regular sitcom, and Loki is always back to forgiveness. You know, he is he has punished the odd time. For example, there's a story where... I think, is it where Loki shaves off all of uh, Sif's hair? Sif is Thor's wife. And he has to get these gifts for the gods. And it's it's how Thor's hammer uh, came into be. That was one of the dwarves' gifts as penance for Loki. I think it's at the end of that one. It's at the end of his own story that Loki's mouth is sewed shut. And that is, to my memory, one of the only other real punishments of Loki. But here is where the book finally stops. Because you'd be screaming, you know, how can you keep forgiving Loki? But we, we understand because he's an incredible character. There's no doubt that he is he is the ultimate anti-hero. You know, he's, he's like the original Tony Soprano or Walter White. You know, he is the villain we absolutely love. And even here, it's so, it's so petty. Like, Loki brings about the end of the gods just because Frigg and Balder were happy. Just because there was joy in the gods. And Loki hated this idea of death being cheated. Death including his own daughter, you know, who presides over hell and is hell. Or is it just that he can't abide someone being invincible? Or it's just the ultimate puzzle you know, if someone is totally invulnerable from death, what? There must be something you can do. And maybe that's it because he has this puzzle, puzzle trickster head that he always has to outwit things. That's probably it more than anything. Loki would hate the idea of ever being thwarted and ever being outsmarted by something like he was in the land of giants. And perhaps after that, he decided that he never would again. But at the end here, when we have Loki's final retribution and his awful, awful punishment, we have... I really enjoyed having this moment between Odin and Loki, which was something I just wanted to put in myself, and I just wanted to imagine what it would be like. What would Odin finally say to Thor, to Loki at a time like this? You know, when it is ultimately... Odin's doing. Odin shouldn't have forgiven Loki all those other times for all those other horrible crimes and in the end Odin loses his favourite son forever but in the great Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology he was the one who first pointed out and I haven't been able to start thinking about it. Odin and, Th and Loki are the most alike. Odin is far more like Loki than Odin is like Thor. He's kind of the best of both of them, but Odin is Loki going right, you know? Like, all of Odin's stories are about him outwitting people and tricking people and deceiving mortals or giants, you know? It's all about the game and the puzzle with Odin. Like, he learns how to read the runes by, you know, sacrificing himself to himself, you know? That's a, that's a very Loki-esque kind of thing, but Odin uses it for good, 
Selfish reasons often, but ultimately for the greater good, ultimately for Asgard, whereas Loki uses his powers entirely for himself. And that is the crucial difference here. And perhaps why these stories survived in a Christian translation and because when these stories were written down in the 11th century by Snorri Sturluson and over time in the Poetic Edda and the Prose Edda they were written down of course like most other stories after the conversion to Christianity and that does still show here like it does in Irish mythology and it's something we do have to constantly contend with and there's no point pretending like it isn't there and ultimately I think the important thing is that we not allow it to taint these stories and we try to just sift through. That's my finding anyway, of just trying to focus on how they work as stories themselves and trying to take any religious context and political context out of, particularly with the Irish myths, you know, nationalism and culture are so linked in Ireland particularly. And that's definitely... not how it should be you know language and culture uh, should not inherently have to be nationalistic but Irish mythology has historically always been considered nationalist especially since the 19th century which is what makes it very interesting and I'm hugely fascinated by that but I think their survival needs to and the reason they fell so much in the latter half of the 20th century was because they were so associated with nationalism but so here we have you know, these parallel figures, Odin and Loki, they fit in a very um, nationalistic, they in a very religious context. But, but I do have to wrap things up there. But I just wanted to say, because eh, we're just out of time, but that is the first part of Ragnarok. Next time we will have the actual doom of the gods, which takes such a different form as a story and as a narrative which is very interesting because narrative is always in the past tense or very occasionally in the present tense but how often have you read narrative that is written in the future tense and i will leave you with that but please do follow me on instagram at fireside bard email me at the fireside bard at gmail.com subscribe to the patreon at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast to further traditional irish storytelling and find out what's next for fireside i'll see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside this podcast is part of the headstuff podcast network